Hey guys, it's Liz, and you are listening to Dear Younger Me, Love Me, where we give people the chance to write a letter to their younger selves in hopes that we can learn a little bit from their lives. Hey guys, welcome to Dear Younger Me, Love Me, and today I have Jake Johnson with us, and he is the Campus Life Director at Columbia City High School. How long have you been doing Campus Life now, Jake? Uh, this is going on my fourth year, actually. Woo! What a yeah. veteran! Yeah, so, so Jake and crazy. I, Jake and I are coworkers, and I enjoy working with him. He and I are the the creative social media ones that people always ask to make different like templates and graphics for for all of them. And so, Jake is has such a great heart, and he is great at doing campus life. And so I thought, you know what, let's get some more campus life directors on here. I can't be the only campus life director you guys hear from. So, so Jake is here. He grew up going to church and did you grow up in Columbia city? I did. You did. Yes, okay. Did. Yep. Born and raised Born Columbia and raised. city and uh, going to church. He's got a pretty solid family. It's a big family with like all boys. So it's a real boys club in the Johnson home. And, uh, but Jake, I would love for you to share a little bit more about that experience of like growing up in the church and how, how that impacted your, your journey. Yeah. Growing up in the church, my family was constantly there. So my dad was the treasurer. My mom worked as the church secretary. Uh, we were homeschooled. So really a lot of our time was there when my mom was working. That's where we did our school. So any events that were happening, we were there helping set up it before church, after church. When anything wasn't happening at the church, we were at the church. Um, and you so were that just was there. Big, you lived there. We, were, we lived there. We were always at the church. Um, and a lot of times I was kind of just living in the shadow of my parents' relationship with Christ. I was there because I had to be. I really didn't enjoy some of the stuff we had to do as a kid because it was constantly just work, it felt like. Um, yeah. Well, like, yeah, like the, you don't understand like the, how important the discipline part is and like learning and growing. And you just wanted how to, like, you were a, a elementary school kid or you just wanted to have a good time. Right. You just right. wanted to play sports and have, and, and laugh and, you know, right. Have fun. So, so yeah, a lot of my, uh, my life was the church and uh, going into my eighth grade year, my parents decided to start a church plant. And through that, there were some people that wanted to do the church plant with my parents and some that that didn't really want to do it um, from the church that we had gone to. And I mean, my mom went to that church her whole life. We went there our whole life. I was dedicated there. Uh, we had a lot of really close relationships within the church there. And when my parents decided to start the church plant, there were some things that happened um, and just some, some broken relationships, uh, mm -hmm. things that were said about my parents that weren't true. And there was just a lot of brokenness that took place from that. And I also saw my brother who had some mild cognitive disabilities who was picked on at the church that I went to growing up. Um, and I, I roomed with him because there was four, we had five of us yeah. uh, at the house. And so at night I would listen to him cry till two in the morning, three in the morning um, from the people that picked on him. Mm. And that really affected my perspective of Christianity and the church. And I just didn't want any part of it. I didn't want to be a part of it. So yeah, it was, it was really hard for me as an eighth grader to fully understand that. Yeah. Um, so when all of these things were happening, what was your reaction during all? So like you hear people making fun of your brother, you hear people talking poorly about your parents. Like, do you just sit back and just like, 
your blood boiled and you're like, that's not fair. Or did you speak up or, or did you just shut down? What were some of your reactions in that? Yeah. As an eighth grader, a lot of, a lot of what I did was just bury it. Um, Mm -hmm. I think I let it sit and I pushed it down and it caused me to be very angry. Yeah. More than I even realized, honestly, until later on um, in life. But yeah, I think a lot of it was just burying it. And it it really affected my attitude towards the church and Christians and how I viewed them. And and it wasn't everyone, but it was those select few people that I let that dictate, like how I felt about all Christians and the church in general as a whole. Yeah, because I mean, you saw somebody who who said that they love Jesus and they're in the church and it's supposed to be the safe place that you, you like basically lived there growing up. It's supposed to be like your extension of your home. And like God commands us to have our church be all of these different things. And first and foremost, it needs to be a safe place for broken people. Right. Right. And so then you saw some, some judgment and some really harsh treatment of people you really love and care about. And so, yeah, it's no wonder that anger, happens and and, and everything like that. Did you guys talk about it as a family much, or did you just stuff it down and be like, I'm okay, let's move forward. Yeah. My, my family would have talks about it. Like we always had like family meetings, which Mm -hmm. those usually (laughs) before that were bad because it's someone getting in trouble. Oh yeah. (laughs) You're like, no family meeting. (laughs) Yeah. With five boys, someone was always getting in trouble. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But yeah, we had like family meetings about it. Uh, but again, as an eighth grader, I, I didn't really share where I was at with it because I didn't want my parents to think, oh, my son doesn't believe what I believe or my son mm-hmm. doesn't view Christians like what I've put my whole life into the church. And now they're starting a new church plant. I didn't want my parents to have a view of me that like I was angry or upset with them or I was not following in the, the steps that they they wanted for me. Yeah. Um, they're following what they had um, with their relationship with Christ. So like a little eighth grade Jake is right now in this spot, like pretending, like trying to put out a front to make other people happy, but not dealing with anything actually going on. Right. And, and talking to anybody about it. Cause right. I'm sure you didn't really talk to your friends right. about what was going on either. Right. Right. So what and- do you think that did to you? Like, your self-esteem and like who who you thought of within yourself, because sometimes when like we're hiding some like really hurt feelings and anger, we end up feeling like really bad about ourselves because we're just faking everything. Right. 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 So yeah. How did you feel with about that? Yeah. And that was, that was a lot of my life. It was putting on a mask. I was one person on Sunday mornings at church and then I was someone different during the week at school. And um, like sports and girls and popularity, those things became my kingdom. Like those mm-hmm. were the things that I cared about where I found my identity. And because of that, I think my own personal views towards myself was more confused than anything. Yeah. I don't know if I had really any views of who I was, or I was trying to figure out who, who that person was. Mm-hmm. Um, because so much of my time and energy and life was spent on these things to get recognized by people. And so I, I don't know if I really like those things dictated how I felt about myself yeah. on a daily basis. So I'm not sure it was like one feeling towards myself, but it was those things dictating each day. Mm-hmm. However, someone reacted to me or if I had a good game and someone recognized it, that's where I found my identity. And those things dictated how I felt towards myself. 
Oh yeah. And so that transition of like feeling all these things and feel like you had need to have those masks on, that just means like you're giving the, the power of how you feel about yourself to anything else outside of you, right. right? To like outside of God, you're like, okay, my coach can dictate how I feel about myself, my friends, my family, like anyone's opinion of me or my performance dictates my value in in all of that. And so when we, when we live like that with those, with those masks and and all that, that definitely affects like every part of our life. I think sometimes we think, oh, well, if I, if I have a mask on it, it only affects this one relationship that I'm wearing a mask with, but like it affects everything. So how did, how did that affect your other friendships and your, your relationships with other people? Yeah. Again, I think the biggest thing that I struggled with was just, yes, my view towards Christians, but I think it affected my view towards people in general. So I was very closed off. Like I didn't share things with people. I was very, I I was pretty popular in high school. I like to think at least. Um, and so I had, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to ask. Yeah. Yeah. So I had like a lot of acquaintances and, and people I would consider friends, but in all reality, I felt very lonely. So I would, even when I was with people, I still felt at this place where I was lonely. And I think a lot of that was because I was so closed off with actual relationship, like actual conversation. It was just, we hung out together because we played sports together because we have common interests or because they're going to a party. And that's what I do now because I don't want anything else to do with God or Christianity or the church. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I allowed those things then um, to dictate my relationships as well. And my relationships were very surface level with everyone. Yeah. And it's like, no wonder you, you felt that loneliness because you kept everything at the surface or mask level right. and nobody got deeper. Like right. There was, there was no one who actually knew you. Right. And, and that's a really lonely place to be. And I think there's so many people that that struggle with that of, I mean, I think about my back at my life and I'm like, man, there's so many times where I was in a room full of people. And that was the loneliest I'd ever felt because no one knew who I was. Right. You know? And so with this anger and with these masks, um, you, you said you, you turned to just doing things like your, your, the world was your kingdom and, and, and all of that. And so you started, you know, drinking, going to parties and like really trying to push sports and like, all of teenage boy things that are right. that are typical to earn popularity. Right. Right. And so how did that, I'm sure your parents noticed a change in you, right. In your family. So how did that affect those relationships? Yeah, honestly, I think my parents were pretty unaware um, okay. of what I was doing for, for a period yeah. of time. And then there was a time where I did something and I got caught and that's when I literally just broke down and told my parents everything. And through that mistake, like my parents showed me a lot of grace, a lot more than they should have, because it was something I really shouldn't have been doing. And, Uh and I think that grace that my parents showed me actually helped. Like that was almost a start of me getting back on track with my relationship with Christ. Like I, I didn't know what grace was really, because I was in this surface level uh, with everyone. And I think that that mistake in my parents catching me was the first like real conversation almost that I had with someone, hmm. which was really interesting. Yeah. It's, that's great that God kind of like use your parents to show you what grace was because that's, 
that's why you struggled so much with the church in the first place is because you didn't see grace anywhere. Right. Like you, you right. didn't, it was, you just, you only saw it through the lens of other people being mean and judgmental and, and you missed, you missed grace right. and like learning about that and actually like learning it, like, cause I'm sure you had heard the word grace before and, and kind of understood what it meant, but there's a difference between like knowing it with your head and really like experiencing it. Right. That's like, that's a game changer. Like you said, like, so how, how did that change you? Again, for me, it was almost like, it was always these like big moments that had to take place for me to recognize God or to like take time to see God working in my life. I never yeah. like in the in-between it was always, okay, now I'm back to this. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was almost just the first step of change for me. Okay. Recognizing it's not, it's not about being perfect or like, it's about this progression of becoming more like Christ. And in the moment I'd never saw that, but like looking back now, it's like, that was the first moment that I think I experienced Jesus. Mm -hmm. And it, it was that first step of change to take place in my life. Yeah. So what did, so you were probably going to church still every Sunday yep. during, during yep. this whole time, putting on that mask, being the good church, church kid on Sunday mornings, yep. but Lord knows what you're doing the other evenings yeah. um, and, and all of that. And so how did that journey look for you during that time where you were faking it till you made it? Yeah, I think it was heavy. Like it was yeah. really weighty because it's constantly doing these things and and trying not to get caught, making sure that making sure no one finds out that, and my parents know a lot of people in my community because that's where they, like my mom grew up there. Yeah. And so it, it was really weighty to try to figure out, okay, I'm living this lifestyle over here, but my parents can't find out. And that, that was really heavy to be torn in like two directions. Like I'm trying to be good, but then over here, I don't really care if I'm that good. Mm -hmm. And going back and forth and being on the fence, like it was, it was really challenging. Um, and yeah, I think it was really weighty, um, just going back and forth with that consistently. Well, yeah, it's the, it's the heaviness. That's like this burden that you don't even know you're carrying right? and you're doing it. But then when you stop doing it, you're like, oh my gosh, that was like, I'm sure in the middle of it, you wouldn't have said, oh, it's just so heavy at church right, right now. Like right. you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have felt that way. You would have just been like, Oh, like I can't wait till I can leave this place. So, cause this mm -hmm. is too hard or, you know, whatever that is. But like later we look back and you're like, wow, now that this weight is gone, this is like, I feel so much lighter in, in all of this. And that's what like, cause that's what sin does, right? right. Is sin is just this weight or these, like it's described as chains that right. just like weigh us down and keep us from living this like free life with Jesus. And I think there's so many people in the world that think that the freedom of life is doing the things that you were doing before Sunday mornings, but yeah. then like, and then just pretending to be okay just for like one day, but there's so much, it's so much different. Like yeah. it, it, it's, it's missing the, like the, the sneaking around and the, like the, the, the fakeness and the, the doing things that might be fun in the moment, but man, I've never heard anybody wake up in the morning after like drinking all night. And they're like, man, I'm so glad I did that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, right. and it might've been fun in the moment, but like we live, if you live moment by moment, it's, 
it's it's just living for right now instead of for something even bigger later on you know and i think that's that's even the same with like i think about my own life and conversations i have with people where i responded in a poor way towards someone like even that i go i wake up the next morning it's like i've never been i'm very competitive so i think about sports Mm -hmm. a lot like i can have a really bad attitude towards people when i play sports and i'm a bad loser really bad loser and those conversations of the moments where i maybe get into it with someone because i'm upset with how the game's going i've regretted that every single time Mm -hmm. but the moments where i just showed grace or i changed my own attitude and had like just made it more fun rather than competitive i've never woken up the next day and regretted those those moments yeah and i think it, yeah it's just interesting in our lives in general how many times when we choose the high route or the the route that jesus wants us to choose how much better we feel mm-hmm. from that because we're doing it out of a, a love that we have for christ and a love then that we have for people because of our love for christ oh. Amen. Amen. That is that is so true. And something that we miss so much is we just we are so focused on the temporary, the right now, and that instant gratification that we forget. Like sometimes doing the like the right thing or doing the kind, loving thing, it will always make us feel better and always make us right. feel freer and not wake up wake up the next morning and be like, well, that's not me. Why did I do that? Right. Right. Like, you know, and so you talked about how your journey was kind of more like a roller coaster. Like you had yeah. ups and downs, especially in high school. Yeah. So what, uh, what kind of led you to study out and, and, um, led you to actually stay consistent in your faith? Yeah. So going into my senior year of high school, uh, one of my friends passed away in a jet ski accident. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big turning point for me personally, just recognizing. So I, since I grew up in a Christian home, I knew what, I know what heaven and hell is like, maybe I don't fully to the full extent of what it is, but I know that's what we talked about at church. And so I didn't know if my friend who passed away was a Christian or not. I'd never had that conversation and I had never really shared that with anyone that I even was a Christian. And in all reality, was I actually a follower of Jesus? I don't think so. Mm, I mean, I was was just living in the shadow of my parents. And so him passing away was a big turning point for me in recognizing like life is really short. And a lot of times I thought about, oh, I'll make this decision down the road. I have plenty of time. And, And that really wrecked me in a way that made me think, well, it's it's not about waiting for the future. It's about now, the here and now, yeah. like in this moment on a daily basis. And there was one night where I was sitting at my my friend's gravestone, um, and I was honestly really mad at God. And I, I had no right to be mad at God. I mean, I hadn't really even talked to him or prayed to him or really anything um, mm-hmm. before that. And I was just really mad at God and crying out to God. And I was like, why would you take my friend? Like, why does he why do I not know if he was a Christian or not? And all the anger that I had buried for so long with the stuff at the church, like all this stuff was like coming out. And as I'm sitting there, it starts raining and I turned the radio on and the song came on, bring me joy, bring me peace, bring the chance to be free, bring me anything that brings you glory. And I know there'll be days when this life brings me pain, but if that's what it takes to praise you, Jesus, bring the rain. And so that was the really the first like intimate moment I had with Christ. And 
recognizing being in a relationship with Christ can't be dictated by people or your circumstances. And being in that relationship doesn't even necessarily change your circumstances, but it changes you. And there was a lot of pain in my life from past hurt from the church and seeing how my brother was treated. And now my friends passed away. And so I'm angry and I'm hurt again. And it's those things that brought me closer to Jesus, like through multiple different things. Like God, again, the roller coaster thing, there are so many like intricate details and moments that I could just point out that were so much God, like just drawing me back to him. Um, and so that journey really started, I think, when, when my friend passed away. Mm. And, and shortly after that, I, had, I was at a, a party. It wasn't a bad party because I started hanging out with good, good people. Uh-huh. And um, I was, my mom told me not to be home past curfew. And so I take off because I'm like 10 minutes from curfew and I'm way... way way (laughs) far away from being able to be back on time you're about to get in trouble i'm about to get in serious trouble (laughs) so i drive pretty fast and i'm on these country roads i haven't been on before and i come up to basically what's a 90 degree angle to the right like the road turns to like a 90 degree angle to the right and i was going like 70 miles an hour and i smash into a tree Mm. head on and by the grace of God, like me and the two girls that were in the car, nothing, nothing happened to us. Um, but the, the next day, my, one of my friend's dad was the tow truck driver and he said, Hey, you and your mom need to come check this out. And so I had just recently, because of, again, details that God worked out, hanging out with a couple of solid Christian guys and they invited me to FCA. They invited me to Campus Life. They invited me to youth group, to Bible study. So I started going to all these things with them. And I had my Bible in the back of my car because of that. Mm. So if I hadn't started doing that a, a month ago, I wouldn't have even had my Bible in the car. Yeah. And he takes us to the car and my Bible. So like sometimes seats, they they fall forward and then they close, like you can to get to the the trunk or whatever. Yeah. 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 They fold over. Yeah. And so somehow when I hit the tree, the impact of that, the seat fell forward and then my Bible fell in this in between the seat and then the seat closed on my Bible. Yeah. And so there was one page, it was Isaiah 49 and it was like all crinkled up. Like the rest of the Bible, totally fine. The one page is all crinkled up. And so Isaiah 49 this is just crazy to me. So this is all happening at the same time. Like my friend passes away. I have this car accident. These people that I meet through football that I just start playing, invite me to all this stuff. It's like all these things are taking place at the same time. And so I read Isaiah, Isaiah 49. And I mean, it's, it's long, but one of the parts that just sticks out to me every time obviously, because it says, and now the Lord says, he who formed me in the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him and gather Israel to himself, for I'm honored in the eyes of the Lord, and my God has been my strength. And it's crazy. Before that, it talks about how he concealed me in his quiver, and he made me into a polished arrow. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. Like So he protected me that night, not only physically, but spiritually, because if I would have died in that car accident, like I don't believe I would have gone to heaven because I didn't have a relationship with Christ hmm. and not a true relationship with Christ. And so all of these things it's, it's talking about is like 
God and looking back how God just watched over me. He protected me through all this time. There are so many things I did that could have gone wrong and God protected me, continued to pursue me. And now he's like, I want to bring you back to me. Yeah. Completely back to me. And, and so, that scripture had your name in it. Right. Like God calls me out by name. It says and I'm like, Jacob and you're like, that's my name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like literally he just name drops me in Isaiah 49 and he's like, <laughs> I want to bring you back to me. And so those moments that all happened kind of collectively um, were the moments that, that pushed me to want to draw closer into a relationship with Christ and fall yeah. deeper in love with Christ and share that with other people because my friend passed away. So what if another one of my friends passes away and they don't know Jesus? And so all these things are happening and, and really that's where Jesus started to become the main priority in my life. Mm. And before that he was kind of non-existent and just a back burner type of thing. Yeah, that's where you move from being an observer of Jesus right. to having a relationship with Jesus. Right. And because it's so easy to observe Jesus. That's right. like a, a lot of us right. just observe him. We we maybe even read our Bible and, and observe the cool things he did. We go to church and observe the people worshiping and we right. observe like that kind of thing. But there's so it's so different to actively engage right. in your relationship with Jesus. Right. And so how did that? Uh, so, so now you're, you're passionate about this relationship with Jesus. You, you want to grow, you're already starting to get involved in all these things. Um, so what are some of the most impactful things in that moment that kept you with Jesus? Yeah. The, the first thing that I want to say, so you talked about observing Jesus from a distance. Yeah. Um, and I thought about sharing this and then I was like, ah, I don't know if I will. Cause I don't know like how long this is supposed to be or whatever. <laughs> and then you said observing from a distance and I was thinking about, um, Zacchaeus. So this is a story that's been really like big for me, even in the last couple of years. And we've shared it with students is like Zacchaeus was this little guy that is trying to see Jesus. Like he's a tax collector. He's a sinner. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know Jesus, but he hears about this guy and he wants to see who he is. And so he's really small and he can't see over the crowd and he climbs up into a tree. Like what Zacchaeus is doing is he's observing Jesus from a distance. Oh yeah. He, he wants to see the show. He wants right. to see the miracles. Right. He wants to like right. see Jesus do something cool, hoping to get a right. glimpse. Right. And, and Jesus calls him out by name. It literally says he calls Zacchaeus out by name, calls him down from the tree and says, I'm coming to your house today. And so as I think about that, I was observing Jesus from a distance. Like you said, a lot of us observe Jesus from a distance and Jesus is calling us out by name. Like he did to me in Isaiah 49, he called me out by name and he said, I want to come over to your house or into your life. Mm -hmm. And then you see transformation take place in Zacchaeus's life. And that's when, when I allowed Jesus into my life, allowed him to come over to my house per se, like that's when I saw transformation start to take place in my life. And it was, yeah, not observing from a distance anymore, but actually being in a relationship, going to church for the reason of now I'm going to learn and apply what I'm learning here at church to my daily life. Yeah. I'm going to do devotions consistently. I'm going to pray consistently, not only in the big moments, not only when I feel like I need something, but I'm going to do it consistently because that's going to change who I am and the way that I live on a daily basis and how I love Mm -hmm. God and love people on a daily basis. Yeah. So yeah, you mentioned that it's, it's a transformational thing, right? right. So, so what are some of the, the things that, that you 
that you saw change in you because now you, you were actively trying to grow in your relationship with Jesus instead of just observing. I think the big, one of the biggest things for me was being able to forgive people. Hmm. I think about, um, if you think about like a, if a poisonous snake bites you like on the wrist and if, if you hold the snake there and go around and show it to everyone and try to show everyone what the snake has done to you, who is that affecting? It's affecting you more than it's hurting the snake. Yeah. And so that was a lot of my life is I wanted to be like, this is what Christians did to my family. This is what they did. This is what these people did. And so I really struggled to forgive people, but in reality, that was really hurting me more than anyone else. Mm -hmm. That was such a, such a cloud in front of me to keeping me from seeing God and the love that God had for me because I was so, that was an idol for me. Yeah. these Christians that hurt my family. And so I, it was, it was taking that away, taking the snake off my wrist and, and recognizing that that was harmful to me more than anyone else. That was a huge transformation I saw in my life. I was able to forgive people for the first time. And I didn't feel like I could do that before. Yeah. So that was a huge transformation for me. Just my, the way I treated people in general, um, the way that I opened up to people now, I want more accountability in my life. I want to actually have deeper conversations um, and not just be surface level, um, showing grace to other people, not being as judgmental towards people. Cause like it was weird. I was judgmental towards people who were doing things when I was doing the exact same things, even though it was like my sin and secrets better than mm-hmm. your sin that's outward. Yeah. And, You're like, at least I'm hiding it. Right. <laughs> right. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. And God, has, God's actually like, actually, that's worse. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And so my, my life was a lot of the transformation that took place is now I'm honest with people about where I'm at and who I am. Yeah. And not that I'm perfect now, I still have struggles, but it changed the way that I lived. And that drew me closer into God and drawing closer into God then changed the way that I lived with my relationships with people and those kinds of things. So, so yeah, I mean, constantly again, just progressing to become more like Christ in a lot of different areas. There's just so many ways that God has continued to transform me. It's crazy. Yeah. And that's, that's something I was actually just talking about this with someone the other day of God reveals things about ourselves slowly, because if he revealed every single sin in our lives or every single blind spot in our hearts, it would feel so heavy because we all make so many mistakes in our lives and, and everything, but God slowly, like when we're ready to deal with these things, he reveals those things to us. And I think sometimes people are like, Christians need to be perfect. Christians can't struggle with these things. Christians, like they can't be honest about their, their, their failures and their flaws and their sins. It's like, God, I read the Bible. There's nowhere in that, that that God says like you, you can be perfect on your own. It's, I will slowly be making you perfect right through Jesus. Right. It's that transformation. Right. And the, the, uh, one of the verses that has been really huge for me is Romans 12 two. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Mm-hmm. So again, it's that word transform. He's going to transform you into a new person. Like you can't do it on your own. It's not about again, being perfect and trying to make the perfect move or the perfect decision or always being perfect. It's about allowing God to transform you into that new person. 
Yeah. Cause when you're trying to be perfect, that's those masks, right? That's a mask. That's not authentically you. Like you're putting those masks on putting the illusion of perfection out, which is, which is not what God asks of us. He asks us to surrender, give them, give them our image, give him the things we care about and let him create something even better and something new within us through all of that. Right. And so in, in your journey, I know you already mentioned different verses and, and we, I mean, we could yeah. talk about the Bible all day. Right. Right. <laughs> I love I'm the Bible. I am with you. <laughs> but are there, are there any other verses or songs that like, even now as your 27 year old campus life director, I mean, I've been doing this for 13 years and there are plenty of things I still struggle with that I need constant reminders to bring me back to him. Yeah. And so what are, what are some of those things that just always bring you back to Jesus? Yeah. I think for me, so I, I love the outdoors. Um, I just love being outside. I love being, and so finding a way, I think so often that when we read scripture, I think sometimes we get bogged down with like, oh, I got to spend 30 minutes reading my Bible. And like a lot of times we just get caught just reading. And then afterwards it's like, I don't even know what I read or I was distracted yeah. or whatever. And so I think for me, it's been taking scripture and then finding ways to connect it to the outdoors or connect it to my daily life or whatever. And so there's been a lot of just passages that I've been able to connect to just different analogies and things. And that's how I think and how I process. Mm -hmm. And so that's been huge for me. And so one that I was thinking about is um, I went out to, it's called Pisgah Marsh. It's a, it's a wetlands. And so I had just been reading about about Moses and when they're fighting the Amalekites and he goes on top of this mountain and he has Aaron and her with him, his, his guys, his buddies, and he has this staff. And when he holds the staff above his head, they're beating the Amalekites. And when it drops below, they start losing to the Amalekites and Aaron and her, it says, come up and they put a rock under him to sit on. And then they hold up his arms. And a lot of my life has been, I'm going to do it on my own. I don't have, yeah. I'm not in community. I'm not with people. I'm just going to do it on my own. Cause I'm strong enough. I'm tough enough. Like I have this pride about me that I don't need people. And as I thought about that scripture, the wetlands, it talks about how there's like a sign at this place. And it talks about how the wetlands are the kidneys to our nature's waterways. And so it, it, it literally says it, it, it filters out the heavy metals and pollutants. So that way the water, when it goes through, when it gets to major waterways like rivers and, and streams, it's a cleaner version of water that's going through that. And so I've processed through like Moses and how he has these guys that are helping him fight his battles and they're battling together and he's tired and they're holding up his arms. Um, we should be kidneys for each other in the body of Christ. Yeah. So community, how important community is. I need people in my life to help me filter out the heavy metals and the pollutants. And, and obviously God does that with a, like within that. And that way we can be a better version of who God is a better image of who God is when we go out into the world, like the major waterways, like the major places in the world where there's people who don't know Jesus. Um, Yeah. And so that's been a huge one for me is just Moses and the Amalekites and, that's an Exodus 17. And it's just a, it's a cool story to see what community actually looks like when you're tired, when you're struggling. And I think that's where we're at right now as a society, like people are tired and they're struggling. 
so that's been huge for me. Um, when I was in high school, someone, I went to church camp and someone shared this verse with me and it stuck with me ever since it's Psalm 34, eight, it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And this is when I'm processing through like my life and Christianity and all this stuff. And it's like, once you taste it, you're never going to want to go back. Yeah. Like you're going to just want more and more and more. And so on a daily basis, spending time with God and reading your Bible, praying, trying to love people well, when you taste that, like you're not going to, you're going to want more and more and more. So it's taste and see that the Lord is good. Like, but you actually have to do something to taste it. Like, yeah, taste is an active thing. It's not just saying like, uh, like you have to choose to taste something, right? Right. Like you have to actually physically put it in your mouth and, and experience all of that. And so it's that, that active choice. So that's awesome. So just a couple more and that have been huge for me is, uh, Mark 11, 12 through 14, it says the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. So from a distance, Jesus is seeing this tree and it looks like it has these figs on it. But when he gets there, there's no fruit. And that that's another thing for me is when people are in close relationship with you or when Jesus looks close at you, are you producing any fruit from a distance? You can make it look like I go to church. I read my Bible. I post on social media. It's easy to make it look like you have these big fig leaves, but like, are are you actually producing any fruit? Yeah. And so that's been huge for me. Um, And thinking if I don't see transformation in my own life, how can I expect to see it in the lives of the people around me? And so often I think we expect to see transformation in the lives of the people around us, but we don't, we don't desire that for ourselves. We're comfortable being where we're at that. And then the last one that I would, I would share, I mean, I could do this all day, honestly, I think (laughs) we all could, but um, the passage that talks about like how we're going to go before the father and we're going to say, we did all these things in your name. And Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. Like Mm -hmm. if he doesn't actually know you, if you don't have a relationship with him. And I think, so often we think that we're, we're living this lifestyle that we're supposed to, but we don't really know who Jesus is. And how can I expect God not to say, I never knew you if I'm not spending time getting to know him? Yeah. If, if I'm not spending time getting to know him, how can I expect him not to say, I never knew you? And so that's been huge for me and just every single day pursuing God and pursuing what it looks like to follow him in Galatians five twenty six, it says, since we live by the spirit, may we walk in step with the spirit. And so often I think we're taking our own steps and trying to control and we're busy. And I, I think that busyness is one of Satan's best weapons against us. And, and it's our own doing, like we cause ourselves yeah. to be busy. And so just what it looks like to truly follow Jesus on a daily basis, like breaking it down to, it's not about what's next month or next year or six years from now in my future, but today, what I'm doing today for God and the kingdom of God and how that's transforming me and changing me and the people around me. That's, and that's so, it's so good to just like, even verse after verse after verse, it just continually shows how God wants to be with us. Right. Like it just right. continually shows over and over again, like God, like the whole Bible is the story of God wanting to be with us right. and wanting to be in a relationship with us. And so that just like, 
he's, he's longing for that. And even in revelations, he's like, I stand at the door and I knock God doesn't bust his way through. He stands and he waits for us to open the door and let him in. Right. And it's, so it's an active choice to, to begin that transformational experience with God and to allow him to, to, to sit within us and to have that relationship with us and all of that. And so it's a beautiful story. So Jake, Right now, for the sake of time, we could talk about the Bible all right. day. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, but I would love for you to read your letter to your younger self. Dear younger me, stop observing Jesus from a distance and finding your identity in the things that are always changing. Because God is the only constant. Put God at the forefront of your life. Don't let people dictate your love for God, but instead lean into God so he can dictate your love for people. Surround yourself with people that draw you closer to God and help you become a better image of who he is. Remember to be intentional and loving people well. A regular conversation for you might be a life-altering moment for someone else. Live different from the world, not for yourself, but so that people can see that what is different about you is God living in you. When people see you, don't let them see just another face or another person, but let them see God shining through you. Read your Bible and pray more consistently, not because you have to, but because you desire to fall more in love with who God is and who he's transforming you to be. See, every day is an opportunity to grow closer to God and share that hope and love with other people. Slow down, reflect, and take time to recognize the goodness of God and the lessons he desires to teach you. Seek accountability in your walk with Christ. Be honest with yourself and the people around you. And make your relationship with Christ the most important priority. Because when we don't allow God to consume us, we give everything else the opportunity to consume us. You'll become the most successful in every aspect of life if you learn to love God and others more deeply on a daily basis. Love me. I I love it that you're encouraging your younger self to continue to ask for accountability and ask for people in your life that are following Jesus to, to help us with that too. Because, um, if we've learned anything in life, we've learned that like, we can't do this on our own and we're never, we were never meant to either. And, and, and so it's not like you had this like great transformational experience. And then all of a sudden you were, you were ready and zoom in and like great with Jesus. And you've never had a faltering moment since then. It's, it's the moments like even Moses, he was holding up his arms to, beat the Malachites and his arms got tired and right. we get tired sometimes. Right. And that's when we need to have that community in our lives. And so when we're strong, that's when we need to develop those community moments so that right. when we're at our weakest points, we already have it built around us. A story that I share a lot um, that pertains to this is me and my friends went on vacation to Tennessee uh, a few years back. And the last day we got this bright idea to go and hike a 13 mile hike that was like 4,000 feet of elevation. So we're not prepared for this. We haven't trained for this. Um, the, the I'm, thing I'm not is, surprised that you the, did that. At yeah, all, Jake. <laughs> the mountain is literally, it's like straight up the whole thing. And so one of my friends, he comes with like a tank top and chacos. He has no food, no water, no rain jacket. It's supposed to rain that day. Um, to be quite honest, if I wasn't hiking it with them, I honestly might've quit halfway up. 
Yeah. And, and there's no way my one friend that brought Chaco's, <laughs> no, nothing. <laughs> nothing. There's no way he would have finished. There's no way he would have finished it by himself, but we did it together as a group. And then to experience the top of that mountain together, like it was the most amazing thing to mm-hmm. see the views together, to, to know that we accomplished something that was so challenging together. And that's for me, the, just shows the importance of having people in your life because we might not always have the resources we need, but then we give him some water and some food. We might not always have the proper stuff when it rains or there's a storm or it's really challenging or difficult, but together we push through it. And so I don't know. I just share that story because that, that to me is what community is like fighting through something challenging together, getting through life, which is really challenging together to experience heaven together like the top of the mountain together or the moments where we see Jesus the most in our lives. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I just think it's a good memory, but it's such a good life lesson for me and seeing the importance of having good people around you. And I love that you brought that up because I think sometimes we wait to hear from God at church or in the moments where we're sitting and reading our Bible or right. we're like listening to worship you, like the, the times where we schedule the Jesus time. Right. 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 But I think we need to spend some time reflecting on our everyday life and right. see Jesus in every single one of those moments right. as well. And so right. that's, that's so beautiful that you have been able to, to do that and to, to see those stories. And I know that since we are campus life directors, we're always looking for teachable moments in our lives, right. but I think, <laughs> right. I think outside of that, we all should be looking for teachable moments in our lives because God is in every single moment and always trying to continually teach us and grow us and refine us to the person that he created us to be. Right. Yeah. And so right now, if somebody's listening to this and they're like, maybe they are struggling with observing Jesus and engaging with Jesus. And maybe they did grow up going to church or they, they, they're familiar with God, but they've never actually experienced him. What's some advice that you have for someone in, in, in that spot? Yeah, I think about, um, I've used this before with students, um, at campus life. And I think about if you're sitting in a dark cave if you're sitting in a dark cave and you have no source of light, if you just sit there, you're going to die eventually, right? If you just sit in that dark place, you're going to die eventually. Yeah. You've got to do some sort of like moving around, feeling around, trying to figure out where a path that might lead out. And and when you find that path and do some of that searching, like there's a way out of a cave. There's not, it's not like you're stuck in there. Mm-hmm. And so eventually you're going to see some source of light. And once you see that source of light, now you have a guide to get out of that cave, out of that dark place and, and get out of the cave as a whole. And so I would say do some like some kind of searching, like do some type of moving, some type of asking questions, some type of reading your Bible, praying little things that are going to help you find some source of light. Because again, Psalm 34, eight, once you taste it and see it, you're going to, you're going to want more of it. Like once you taste and see that the Lord is good, you're going to want more of it. So you've got to do some type of searching. Don't just sit in that dark place. Um, And I I think something that I had to ask myself, um, I have an uncle that he's been struggling with cancer. He's been battling cancer the last three years. And I think there was a moment for me, even like three, four years ago when this took place is like, this guy has devoted his whole life to Christ. 
why is why does he have to go through something like this? Like, I don't get it. Again, I, I think some of my anger was towards God. And I honestly was questioning, like, is God actually real? Like, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? I think that's a huge question that people ask all the time. Oh, definitely. And, and I was like, honestly questioning the realness of God, which is weird, right? Because I'm a campus life director. I've been a youth pastor for seven years. And I'm questioning whether God's real or not. In the back of my mind, I know, but I'm still questioning it. And I was at a concert with my cousin and... I said, God, if you're real, like, let someone touch my shoulder. So creepy, weird ask, right? Like, this is weird. Why am I asking for this? Like, why do I want something to touch my shoulder? (laughs) And so I'm sitting there and I have my head down and I'm just like kind of crying out to God and praying. And all of a sudden someone touches my shoulder. And I was like, what the heck? Like, that's weird. So I thought maybe it was my cousin because she knows that we're both kind of going through this with my uncle. And um as I sat there and then I asked her afterwards and she was like, no, I didn't touch your shoulder. Hmm. And, and so it's, have I given God the chance to be real? Have I given God the opportunity to actually be present in my life? And so taking moments to actually slow down and reflect on that, I think is so important. And that's like, again, reading your Bible and praying, those are two things for me that just have wrecked me. Yeah. Like consistently doing that. Um, and giving it a chance. So many times I think we, we read for like five minutes. I'm not getting anything out of this. Yeah. Or I think a lot of times we have things that we're going through. So we read the Bible with the expectation that we're going to get something out of it that's directly related to what we need the answer to. And I think if we go to the Bible instead with the, the thought process of, God, what do you want to teach me today? Yeah. You can't walk away disappointed because God is always going to teach you something because he knows what you need the most. And so... Yeah, just going to God, but not with the expectation of getting what you want out of it, with the the freedom to allow God to speak to you in the way that he wants to. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think that's when you're going to recognize the realness of who God is. Because mm-hmm. he's the one that that has the plan for you and that can direct your steps. And you're not right. pulling God along saying, okay, God, this is the direction we're going. Right. He's He's the one that that is directing all of those steps. And so we need to allow him to do that in our Bible studies and in our time at church, like even God, some like, give me something from this sermon. Give right. me something like what right. I, like if I can have one takeaway, right. You know, that, and that's what I want to sit in this week is, is something with that. It's that active right. engaging in Jesus over and right. over again. Right. Oh, Jake, it has been so good sitting and talking with you and just hearing your heart and Hearing your love for Jesus, your love for his, his word and the, the growth and transformation that he has done in your life over these years, it is obvious that you are doing everything you can to fall in love with Jesus every single day and you're allowing the spirit to work into your life. And so thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I love being your coworker and and working with you too bad with coronavirus. We can't have our staff meetings together and and hang out as often, but I still like, man, I, I appreciate you. I love your heart. And I know that, um, there's so many people that have a similar story to you. And I think that God is using that story over and over and over again to bring people to him. And so thanks for joining us, Jake. And I hope you guys enjoyed your time with him and everybody at home. If you're listening, make sure you go like us on Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever else you're listening to your podcast, leave us a review, share us with your friends. We have a Facebook page, go and like that. And you can engage in some conversations there. 
Everybody, I hope you learned a little bit more about Jake today, a little bit more about yourself, but hopefully a lot more about God. Go out and have an awesome day.